More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. What episode are we on? It is 106, 106 episodes of speaking out on sexual abuse within the church. I am thankful as always that you're tuned in, that you're listening, and I want to talk about something today that you may have seen in the news over the last couple of weeks. A story actually came out via the Royce Report. I was not super surprised to see a mega church on the Royce Report website a couple of weeks ago, about February 15th. They published a story about Judah Smith's celebrity mega church, and I'm putting that in quotes, and how they hired a man accused of rape over the alleged victim's objections. And of course, I had to read it because uh, I think this is an important story. And when I did, I immediately just, oh, it was one of those things that I, I kind of wanted to drop everything that I was doing and just immediately turn on the microphone and give my thoughts about this story. Now, when I say that this story doesn't surprise me, I think that we all know the things that go on in churches, mega churches, and you know, there are a lot of problems with megachurches. I'm not going to pretend that I don't believe that. There are a lot of problems. But many people will see a story like this and they'll go to the comment section and immediately talk about how this is why megachurches shouldn't exist. People need to stop supporting them. They all need to be you know, disbanded or whatever it is. And I get, I get why people feel that way. I, I get a certain feeling when I see mega churches and everything is just lights and, and shows and the worship leaders talk and sing a certain way and dress a certain way and, and the pastors speak a certain way and dress a certain way. And everything is just very much run like a business and it's an entertainment business, basically. And then you kind of slap the Jesus label on it. And I'm sure that there are mega churches out there or larger churches where Maybe that's not the case, but we see a lot of it. So I understand, you know, people having an attitude against megachurches. But honestly, these kinds of stories that I'm about to share with you are stories that we see and hear about in churches of all sizes. I grew up in teeny, tiny, minuscule little churches. And I will say dumb stuff like this was just as likely to go on in those churches than it is in the huge churches and maybe even more likely in some cases because who's paying attention? You know, mega churches, I feel like at least in the whole Me Too Church 2 era, they have to be more careful about what they do because I, I think at this point, you know that every decision that you make, especially if it involves allegations of sexual assault or sexual abuse, 
is going to be scrutinized. It's going to be scrutinized by the media. It's, it's going to be out there online. People are going to speak up. So when things like this happen, I'm kind of surprised that a megachurch made this dumb decision. And dumb isn't even the word. I feel like it's a wicked decision. And I will stand by that. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But the point is, in a smaller church, I think that abuse cover-ups are easier because for the most part, these stories aren't going to end up in the media. You know, a church in a smaller town, a church with fewer people, there's not going to be as much scrutiny as there is within a megachurch. Then, of course, in megachurches, people have more power, more money. Maybe they're more capable of covering things up. But I'm not here to debate whether abuse is more likely to happen in a megachurch or in a small church. I'm just saying that I don't think that's the argument that we need to be having. And I see it happening a lot when stories come out about these mega churches or celebrity pastors. There just seems to be this immediate jump to blame it on the fact that it's a mega church. And I just don't believe that that's the reality. Do I think that the fact that a church is a mega church and maybe there's a, a different dynamic with money, with power, with status, whatever. Sure. I mean, I'm sure you could make arguments on both sides, how it may be easier for people to abuse in a megachurch or how it may be easier for them to abuse in a small church. The point I'm trying to make is that's not the argument that we need to be having. The size of the church is not the problem when it comes to covering up abuse in the church, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's um, extramarital affairs between pastors and staff, which is sexual abuse, or pastors and lay people, which is sexual abuse, whether it's something like that or it's childhood sexual abuse. These things are happening in churches large and small. So I just kind of wish we could take that out of the equation. And I think I had an episode last year entitled, No, Mega Churches Are Not the Problem. I really don't think that they are. However, this story happens to be about a megachurch, church home, and Judah Smith, the pastor of this so-called celebrity megachurch, and some decisions that he has made that I don't even want to say they've left me scratching my head. I'm not scratching my head. I'm. I've. This is the same old song and dance over and over and over again, where someone is accused, credibly accused, of doing something terrible something that should definitely disqualify them from pastoral ministry, and then a megachurch pastor and his staff or his board members or or whoever it is making the decisions, they decide to bring this person back into not just the fold. We're not welcoming somebody back into the fold like a lost sheep who went astray and, you know, Jesus goes out in search of them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting them back as keepers of the fold, people who are in church ministry and church leadership. And we see it all the time. Somebody falls, they do something terrible, and then all in the name of God's grace and Jesus can forgive anything and you know we must forgive, yada, 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 all in the name of those lovely and precious things. And they are lovely and precious. Can I just interject that? They are lovely and precious things, and I feel like that they are weaponized and turned into something completely ugly and that they were never intended for. And that kind of weaponized forgiveness and and weaponized grace and restoration, whatever it might be, whatever buzzword people are using, that was never the intent behind those words and behind those concepts in Scripture. To bring a dangerous person to 
or to bring a disqualified person back into church leadership. That is not what grace and mercy and forgiveness are for. And at this point, it's just, it's super, super frustrating. I guess frustrating might not even be the word. I want to say heartbreaking, but honestly, I'm too angry to be heartbroken at this point. So we're going to get into this story about Judah Smith hiring a man accused of rape, even though his alleged victim asked the church not to rehire him. So the story begins in 2012 when Jane, as they call her in the Roy's report because she's asked that they protect her privacy, Jane alleges that Braylon Oliver, who would go on to pastor the downtown campus of Church Home, allegedly sexually assaulted her. She was his girlfriend. And I'm just going to paraphrase the story here. As always, I will link to Julie Royce's article about this, and you can read all of the details and and get everything perfect. I'm just going to kind of recap it for you. Jane and Braylon Oliver had been dating for some time, and she alleges that he was pressuring her to have sex with him, pressuring her to have sex with him and basically threatening to have to break up with her if she can't sleep with him because apparently he needs sex. Jane and Braylon Oliver had been dating for some time, and Oliver had just been laid off as a youth leader at the city church San Diego, which was also the previous name of church home. They claimed that these two churches were never affiliated. They were independent entities, uh, but I digress. So Oliver had just been laid off as a youth leader at the city church San Diego, and on the night of the alleged sexual assault of Jane, he had been drinking, they argued, and once her sisters who were visiting had gone to bed, Oliver allegedly pressured her to have sex with him in his car and said that if she didn't, he was going to break up with her. So initially, Jane says that she consented, but once in the car, she says that she told Oliver she did not want to have sex with him and she tried to get out of the car. Um, Oliver then allegedly blocked the door, pinned her down, and proceeded to rape her. Jane says that she told Oliver to stop and she said, you're hurting me, but that he continued to rape her. So this is what Jane alleges happened in 2012. Now, there are many other instances in this article of misconduct by Braylon around the same period of time in 2012. He had a DUI. He got in trouble for being drunk and texting an underage girl. He'd been in trouble with the church for drinking in public. And there's another allegation that Oliver got in trouble with the City Church San Diego for drinking with an underage girl in the apartment that Braylon Oliver shared with another man who was also a former staff member of the City Church San Diego. So this guy was getting into trouble for quite a few things. It's not like, you know, his reputation was just pristine and perfect until this allegation of sexual assault came up. He was doing a lot of stuff that no church youth pastor should ever do um, if they want to be in a position of leadership and want to be trusted to actually be in charge of people's lives and their souls. Like, I don't know. Um, that's not a person to me that shouts 
reputable and above reproach. Clearly, he's not above reproach because he's doing a lot of different things. Well, we fast forward to 2019 when Jane comes forward and she tells leadership of Church Home, Judah Smith's church, that Braylon Oliver allegedly sexually assaulted her in 2012. Uh, It was about six years, I guess it had been, since the assault happened and the time when Jane came forward. So in 2019, Braylon Oliver stepped away from pastoring the downtown campus of Church Home. So he was the pastor of the downtown campus. She comes forward with these allegations and he stepped down. There was an independent investigation that had determined that Jane's allegation was credible and Churchill had him step down, step away from pastoring. And if this is the only part of the story that you heard, you'd think, all right, well, the church did the right thing. She stepped forward. They had an independent investigation and a report written. And when the investigation determined that the allegations were credible, they had Braylon Oliver step away from pastoring. Kudos to Church Home. Kudos to Judah Smith and everyone involved. Yay. Thank you. Round of applause. Right. They did the right thing. However, fast forward to three years later, last year, Church Home rehired Braylon Oliver, the man who was credibly accused of sexually assaulting a woman. And Church Home stated that Braylon Oliver had demonstrated spiritual and personal growth and that the church firmly believed in his restoration and reconciliation. And oh my goodness, I could go off on a tangent right here because you know what? It's great that he demonstrated spiritual and personal growth. It's great if he grew spiritually. It's great if he grew personally. It's great that the church believes in his restoration and reconciliation, but that is a restoration and reconciliation to the body of Christ. And that is not carte blanche to allow him back into church leadership. It's not. But so often the church is using restoration and spiritual growth and reconciliation and everybody's favorite redemption to excuse the fact that they are hiring men who are not qualified to be in church leadership. Now, They did not rehire Braylon Oliver as the campus pastor. He wasn't hired back to be a pastor in the church. He was rehired to oversee the donor arm of the church home community, whatever the heck that means. But the fact remains that he was hired as a paid staff member and therefore is back in church leadership three years after it came out that he had allegedly sexually assaulted his then-girlfriend. So, yeah, some time has passed since this happened. This is important to note, and it's something that when Church Home is dropping lines like, you know, reconciliation and restoration and, and all that good stuff, there cannot be true restoration or reconciliation for someone who is never admitted to their wrongdoing. That is the number one sign that somebody is not truly repentant if that somebody pretends they don't even remember what it is that you're saying that they did to you. And that's exactly what the person who conducted the investigation initially for Church Home in 2019 wrote in her summary, uh, attorney Margaret Doyle Fitzpatrick. She said that when asked about the alleged rape, 
Oliver claimed he had no recollection of this event. No recollection of it. So he denied the allegation because if you actually did sexually assault someone, you remember it. I don't care if six years have gone by. I don't care if 60 years have gone by. You will remember that you did something like that. And the only reason that you would say you have no recollection of the event is to deny that you did it. That's the only reason people say they don't remember things. Oh, I don't remember that. If you say that you don't remember things, then how could someone really have done it if they don't remember it? Or how can we be mad at this person for what they did if they don't remember it? It is just a way to garner sympathy. It is just a way to come across as someone who is not the perpetrator of whatever crime they've been accused of. So I find that's just the number one thing. If you cannot admit that you have done something wrong, there cannot be restoration. There cannot be reconciliation, not true reconciliation. You're letting somebody lie about what they've done. And again, we're not talking about him just being welcomed back into the fold as far as to fellowship with other believers. We're talking about putting him in church leadership. I'm just going to say this. I've probably said it 600 times on various episodes of this podcast. If someone has sexually assaulted another human being, they are not qualified to be in church leadership. It's not hard, guys. Like, it's not hard. It, it should not be difficult to determine what allows somebody to be able to be on a church staff and what allows somebody to be able to be in the body of Christ, but not leading anybody anywhere. But even if it is hard for you to figure that out, it should not be hard to figure out that if someone has raped someone or been credibly accused of raping someone, they should not ever be invited back onto a church staff, even if they admit to it, even if they apologize, even if they are broken and completely repentant and good if they are, because that's what they need to be. But even if they are broken and they're repentant of their sin, that is still not an excuse for putting them back onto church leadership. I don't I don't know how else to say this to people. Stop putting rapists on your church staff. Stop doing it. There is literally no excuse and you cannot find one in scripture. You can say generic things like the Smiths said to Jane and basically say, "Oh, well, we just really believe that Oliver made a mistake and we just really think that you need to forgive him. Well, okay. First of all, rape isn't a mistake. It's a sexual assault. It is an abuse of another human being and you have to actively choose to do that. You don't accidentally rape someone. A mistake is something like, oopsie, I colored out of the lines on this picture that I'm coloring. That's a mistake. Or making a mistake is saying something in the heat of the moment that you wish you could take back. I made a mistake and I said that. Rape is not a mistake. Rape is a willing choice to abuse another human being in the worst possible way that you can abuse them. It shows a complete and utter lack of respect for a person's humanity. A person who makes a conscious choice to rape another human being is not making a mistake. They are abusing a person in a manner that is going to affect that person for the rest of their lives. So I want to vomit when I hear people like Judah and Chelsea Smith 
say things like, this alleged rape was just a mistake. It was a mistake. And he's grown so much spiritually. And now we feel like he's okay to be in church leadership once again and receiving a paycheck from the church. Makes me completely want to barf. And I love what Jane said. She was texting and speaking with Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith's wife, quite a bit. And being urged by her and by Judah Smith to forgive Oliver. And I love what she says when they call the alleged rape a mistake. She says, holding someone down, forcing them to have sex with you when you're trying to get out of a car, that's not a mistake. That is a conscious choice. And she says, if I have to live the rest of my life with the consequences of his choice, so does he. He doesn't get a three-year probation, a slap on the wrist, and his life back. And they were working on Jane. They were really working on her to get this guy back into church leadership. And Jane said to them once again that the church needs to be a place where people feel safe, where there's trust, where there's accountability. And unfortunately, Braylon has not taken responsibility for what he did. He has not sought forgiveness. Therefore, there does not appear to be genuine transformation. This is not difficult to understand. Braylon did not admit that he sexually assaulted Jane. He said he had no recollection of the event. That's it. She reminded them that a leader is supposed to be held to a higher standard. That is like, it's Bible 101. It's it's in there that not many people are supposed to be leaders and pastors. And there is a list of qualifications. And Braylon does not meet the qualifications. And he is definitely not above reproach. And so I think that Jane did a really good job of just expressing all the reasons why this man should not be invited back onto the church staff. And the response is basically, oh, sorry, it took me a few days to get back to you. First of all, that upsets me because you can send a text to somebody before a few days are up when they're talking about you rehiring a man that you allege raped you. That's what this conversation is about. No excuse for taking two days to get back to her. And then it's basically like all of these heart emojis. And I'll definitely pass this on to Cherica, the hiring manager for this position. That makes me want to barf more than everything. It's just she's being handled. And they're trying to be super nice and super sweet to her. But at the same time, really not tell her anything or not listen to anything that she's saying. And that part makes me really, really sick because she's a victim of a sexual assault. It's an event that has basically changed her life forever and something that she's never just going to get over it. Here's the part that made me more angry about anything that I saw in this entire article. And this literally made me want to throw up and at the same time made my blood completely boil. So before they hired Braylon back in 2022, after he had stepped down in 2019, on July 30th, 2022, Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith's wife, texted Jane saying, and I quote, I have something fun, would love to run by you to get your opinion on if you have a few minutes sometime. Well, it started with hello and five exclamation marks. And then it said, I have something fun, would love to run by you to get your opinion on if you have a few minutes sometime. And the super fun thing that she had to run by her was to tell Jane that Church Home was thinking of hiring back Braylon Oliver. 
and they were asking for her consent. That is the something fun Chelsea would love to run by Jane. That makes my stomach turn. I can't even imagine in what universe you would think that that was appropriate. Hey, so here's this super fun thing I'd love to run by you. Just super fun that we're considering hiring your alleged rapist back onto the church staff. What do you say? What is wrong with people? It's a question I ask multiple times every single day. But seriously, what is wrong with people? More importantly, what is wrong with Chelsea Smith? That is completely gross. It's just disgusting to me. That text right there, I don't know why that hit me hardest out of everything in this entire article that they basically are making light of the fact that they want to hire this woman's alleged rapist back onto the church staff. Mm, It's super fun, Chelsea, just super fun. Jane shared with the Roy's report that she was emphatic. She did not want Church Home to rehire Braylon Oliver. She considered him disqualified from pastoral ministry. And Jane, right there with you. I don't know why it's hard. Again, I'm not sure why it is difficult for people to understand that if you have sexually assaulted another human being, you are disqualified from being in any type of church leadership. You can sell cars. You can work as a news anchor if you want to. You can start a podcast. You can resell Yeezys. You can do whatever you want to do. Even return to and fellowship in a church if you're repentant, but you are not qualified any longer from pastoral ministry. And I don't think the Bible can be any more clear on this. And so I've just come to the conclusion that people like Judah Smith don't care what the Bible says about someone's qualification for ministry. They can't care because if they cared, they would not be texting a rape victim to ask the super fun question if they can hire back her alleged rapist to the church staff. I want to go back to the first time just for a second that Braylon stepped down in in 2019. So I mentioned that they did an investigation and the investigation found a preponderance of evidence that Braylon Oliver had forced Jane to have sex with him, which is called rape. Jane met with a church leader at the time. They gave her a copy of the investigation summary and, of course, made her sign a non-disclosure agreement because every church needs one of those. Can I just another interjection? Big church, small church mega church, medium-sized church. I don't care what kind of church you are. There is absolutely no room in any church for an NDA. That should not be a thing that exists within the Christian church. It just shouldn't. There is absolutely no reason for a non-disclosure agreement unless you are just out to protect the bad things that are happening within your church. Churches, first of all, should be transparent to the point that an NDA would be rendered completely moot. Like there would just be no reason for it because our church is run with such a transparency. And obviously the more money that a church makes and the more mega that it becomes, the less transparent it tends to be. And so maybe that's why these NDAs are sneaking their way in. But it just, it's, it's gross 
that, the non-disclosure agreements and the non-compete agreements. If you have those, you don't have a church. It's not the body of Christ. It is a business that you're running. It's, it's a business that you're slapping a Jesus label on and calling it church, but it's not the New Testament church. That's not how it was ever supposed to be. And I think that running a church the way that you would run a business is one of the reasons that we're seeing so much corruption within the church. That is a conversation for another time, but non-disclosure agreement, always the dumbest thing in the entire world, and it has no place in the body of Christ. It doesn't. So going back to 2019, when Jane met with Judah and Chelsea Smith about the situation, Jane says that the Smiths asked her what she wanted them to do, and they kept emphasizing that they believe in grace. So basically, they're trying to lead her, it seems like. I I wasn't at the meeting, but according to what she's saying, it seems like they're just trying to lead her into, what would you have us do, Jane? And just let us remind you, we really believe in grace. Oh, I wonder what they want her to tell them to do. And one more thing, the Smiths literally mentioned to her that they had launched the Church Home app and the app included the testimony of a murderer. We believe in grace. Look at our app. It includes the testimony of a murderer. So basically, just seems to me like trying to lead her to make the decision that you don't need to fire him. He doesn't need to step down. He can just continue being the pastor of your downtown campus. And even though he sexually assaulted me and held me down and raped me against my will, as I was telling him to stop, um, he can still be the pastor because grace, gross. It makes me sick. So I like how Jane responded. She said that the murderer still had to serve his sentence in jail. <laughs> still, just because there's a testimony from a murderer doesn't mean that there were no consequences for that murder. And she reminded them pastors are held to a higher standard. And when she said that pastors are held to a higher standard, Jane said that the Smiths replied to her, God qualifies us. We don't qualify ourselves because no one's qualified. So basically, that's a non-answer. If you say, hey, pastors are held to a higher standard, I don't know, maybe she quoted the scriptures that very clearly state that pastors and elders are held to a higher standard. Um, Their answer is God qualifies us. We don't qualify ourselves. First of all, that's not an answer. And just because no one's qualified, that's not the same thing. Listen, you want to hire somebody that sucks at speaking? They're just not good at it. They're boring. You want to hire somebody that's that's not that good at singing to be your worship leader? Okay, fine. Like, we don't qualify ourselves. God qualifies us. No one is qualified. Okay, fine. Somebody that's terrible at math, you want to let him be an usher or, or part of the money counting team? Fine. This does not apply to someone who is a rapist. That's not the same as not being qualified. To put it another way, not being qualified and being disqualified are not the same thing. You might not be completely qualified. Maybe I didn't go to Bible college. Maybe I I never learned Greek or Hebrew. Maybe this or maybe that. Maybe I'm not the best speaker in the world. Maybe I have a stammer. Okay, maybe I'm not qualified or I don't consider myself qualified, but not being qualified and being disqualified are two very different things. The only thing that makes them the same is that someone who's disqualified is definitely someone who is not qualified, but it's not vice versa. 
all of that was just a mouthful of garbage they're spitting out at her about God qualifies us. We don't qualify ourselves. Nobody's qualified. Yeah, maybe nobody's qualified, but not everyone is disqualified. There has to be a line somewhere. There has to be a line somewhere because otherwise, why are the scriptures even in the Bible? Why are we told that pastors and elders are held to a higher standard? Why does James 3.1 say that not many of you should become teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly? Why does Paul bother to say that an elder has to be blameless, above reproach, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, not given to wine, having a good testimony among those who are outside of the faith? Why bother to say all these things if it's something we're just supposed to ignore? And going back to the Roy's Report article, Jane says that after the Smiths, I mean, I say they were pressuring her to allow Braylon Oliver to stay in his position, because that's just what it, it's just very obvious to me based on what's being said here. And unfortunately for them, Jane kept pressing the issue. And then she said the Smiths finally agreed to remove Oliver and told her that they would notify her before they announced his leave uh, to the church, which they never did. They didn't notify her. She found out about the announcement afterward from a friend and there was a pre-recorded message that I guess aired or played during the church service by Judah Smith, and it said something along the lines of, Braylon, you've done such an amazing job here. Uh, we love him. And he made a mistake years ago, six years ago, and hurt a member of the community, and he's going to step down, and they're both going to get the help they need. And I mean, at this point, Braylon Oliver hasn't admitted that this happened because he told the independent investigator, he had no recollection. Like that was his testimony in this report. He had no recollection of raping Jane. Jane has said that he never apologized to her. You cannot repent, truly repent, if you're not willing to own what you're repenting of, which is why it's just ridiculous. Oh, we believe in grace. Really? So you just believe that that a rapist can just come back to being a pastor? Is that what grace means. Is it? Because I don't think that we're reading the same Bible if that's what you're getting out of it. Like (laughs) grace means rapists are allowed to be pastors. But honestly, looking at all the churches around the United States that we've dealt with on this podcast and that other podcasts and other groups have dealt with, you would think that that's what grace means that people who sexually assault other human beings are allowed to be pastors because that is the meaning of grace. I mean, it's literally not, but that's how churches behave. We have, you know, people who've been on this podcast before who were sexually assaulted as children by men who are now lead pastors of churches. And it sounds crazy, but hear me when I say it's not crazy. It happens all over the country people who have served time in prison for sexually assaulting children. And then a church decides it's all right. You can be a pastor because God forgives. It's like they've just torn the pages out of the Bible that relate to the qualifications for a church leader. It's insane to me. It's completely insane. And what I am asking myself and just keep asking myself in reading this story, first of all, why are these people so in love with Braylon Oliver? That's what I want to know. 
like is apparently I haven't heard him speak. I didn't look him up because I have no desire to hear anything that he has to say. But he's got to be like a super dynamic speaker. One of those people that looks cool on a Sunday morning and that can super entertain people. Maybe they have a shortage of hipster pastors to like throw up on stage. Maybe there's a shortage. But you'd think that a church that brags about having 10,000 members and being Justin Bieber's church, you would think that that church has enough resources to find somebody else who's a dynamic speaker and can get on stage and entertain people on a Sunday morning and keep the crowd happy. Like you would think with those kind of resources, they'd be able to handle that. So the question remains to me, this is completely just my own brain and how it works. And it could be all kinds of bias and <laughs> all kinds of nothing that is important at all. But the first thing that my brain said to me when I read this story and got to the end of it after I finished just being blood curdlingly angry was what does Braylon Oliver have on the Smiths? What does he know? What has he seen? Because I can't think of any other reason, really. I mean, honestly, I really can't think of another reason why they are so adamant about having this guy on the church staff. And listen, right now he's the head of donor, whatever the heck he's the head of. But once he's back in, guys, it's not a far stretch for him to get back right up on that stage preaching. It's not a far stretch for him to work his way up the ranks now that he's back in the church and it'll just be, well, he proved himself and he's done such a great job and he's so repentant and yada, yada, yada. And eventually if the outcry isn't great, that's where we're going to get to. Braylon Oliver being a campus pastor once again. I would venture to say though, even if he never makes it back up the ranks to a campus pastor, he should not be on a church staff where he is in leadership over anyone or the face of anything when he has been credibly accused of sexually assaulting a woman. I just, I want to say I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. But to me, it's more sinister than that. Um, at this point, to me, this kind of behavior from church leadership, the hiring of rapists, and the backstabbing of rape victims, because that's what this is, you know, being sweet to her face and just trying to act so sweet and loving. You know what? The love that you have for somebody is, and I shouldn't have to say this, but it's not about the words that you say to them or the niceness that you use. You can say something kind or seemingly kind all day long and you can speak with the sweetest voice and you can gently talk to a survivor of rape. But if what you're telling that survivor of rape is that her rapist is being invited back onto your church staff, you're not being loving and you're not being kind, period. You're being a backstabber. And I mean, even beyond that, because a backstabber, it, it kind of indicates that you're on a level playing field it's just person against person. And this isn't. This is church leadership. This is the shepherd who is supposed to lay down his life for his sheep. That's what a shepherd's supposed to do. He's supposed to be guarding the pen. He's supposed to be guarding the entrance to the sheep. That's his job. He's supposed to be standing there and protecting the people in his congregation because they are the sheep that God has entrusted him with. And instead of doing that, what he's saying to the sheep is, hey, I know that this 
person that is supposed to be a sheep attacked you like a wolf and he had these fangs and he wounded you deeply and he did this awful and horrible thing. But I opened up the gate and I let him back in. I, I let him back in, not to just exist with you as a sheep, but I invited him to be one of the shepherds in the pen. Like, it's just, there's literally no excuse for it. And I'm disgusted by it. And I mean, listen, I mentioned it earlier when I hear you know, mega pastors get on stage, like my skin starts crawling pretty much immediately because it's all like, I just feel like they all sound the same. They all say the same crap. They're all really, really slick speakers, but it's almost like a greasy salesman. Like I just, so I will admit that I have a little bit of that bias. I fight against it. I don't want to just put everybody in the same, like lump everybody in the same category and like, oh, every cool church pastor is the same. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I try not to be biased like that. However, it just all comes across as super showy. It all comes across as we know exactly how to sound. We know the exact things to say, to appear as though we are genuinely interested in caring about you. But when push comes to shove, these people do whatever they want because they have the power to do whatever they want. And that's why there is so much abuse. There is so much corruption. And it's just gross. It's gross to me um, that Judah and Chelsea Smith have treated a rape victim the way that they've treated her. And again, speaking to her in niceties and being calm and acting like you genuinely care like, yay, you know, you're not going to get a reward in heaven for that, though, when what you're actually doing is abusing her further than she's already been abused by your complete and utter lack of disregard for how it would make her feel, and not just her, but anyone who's been a victim of sexual assault, knowing, hey, this man was credibly accused of sexual assault. There was a preponderance of evidence that he sexually assaulted this woman, and she begged us not to rehire him and reminded us that scripture holds church leaders to a higher standard. But despite all of that, we're going to do it anyway. And that is where you find out if someone actually has love or if they're just giving lip service to it so that you'll come to their church and tithe. I don't know. Um, or you'll stay out of the media, apparently. So kudos to Jane. I'm, I'm proud of her, uh, of her courage. I have no idea who she is, but it's courageous to do what she did. It's courageous to stand up and say, like, this is not right. And it's also really hard. It's hard because, you know, I mean, thankfully, she's using the name Jane. She's asked not to be identified. But trust, there are many, 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 many people who know who this woman is and that it's her story that's being told. And it's it's not something that's going to be fun for her. Uh, to live through and to experience. But I'm hoping and praying that justice will be done in this situation. And now I feel like it's not even Braylon Oliver who needs to repent of what he's done. He needs to publicly repent and then admit that he is disqualified from, from church leadership. Like to me, that's repentance. It just is. If you're truly repentant, you know that you do not belong in a, a podium or behind a podium or up on a stage or receiving a paycheck from the staff of a church when you have harmed sheep 
in the way that he has. And it's not just her. There are so many stories, if you read this article, about super shady stuff this guy was doing. And yeah, it may have been years ago. And yes, there is forgiveness. But again, um, the pattern is there. And it's not going to be long before there's another victim. Because it never is. And everybody always wants to act super surprised. Oh, how could this happen? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because you put a rapist on your church staff. I mean, just putting it out there. Could be something else. Could be the way the wind's blowing today. Or could be that you put a rapist on your church staff. All right. I'm going to link to the Julie Roy's article. And you can get more in-depth details if you would like them. But gross. Just gross. It's disgusting all of it, but especially the way that the Smiths have treated this Jane Doe and uh, the way the church has treated her. It just, it, it turns the stomach and it shows you exactly where people's hearts are. It just does. You don't care about your flock if you're trying to talk them into being okay with their rapist being on stage. Like you don't care about them. You care about your bottom line and your celebrity And good luck facing Jesus and talking to him about that. That's all I've got to say. All right. Well, I would love for you to weigh in any thoughts that you have. And you can weigh in on our Facebook page. Search for Survivor Sanctuary Podcast. If you're not a member, you can request to join, answer the multiple choice question. I'll let you in the group. You can also become a patron of the podcast, patreon.com forward slash Survivor Sanctuary. A link to that in the show notes as well. And I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.